your fakest gamer bro, Jackie, aka Jax. Pronouns they, them. And I'm here to talk about bubble games I love and hate and love to hate. And I have another co-host with me here today. Uh, Jan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, I'm uh, Jandikar. I am a more real gamer bro. <laughs> what the fuck is up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're more real. What are your what are your creds? Uh, I have played on a PlayStation Five. <laughs> you know what? I haven't. So yeah, I guess you are the more real gamer Boom, bro. Gotcha. <laughs> but again, I said I was the fakest. So. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the main game I want to talk about here today is one that you introduced me to, which is Penrose by the creator of A Dark Room. You want to kind of go over what what Penrose is? So Penrose is, I believe the elevator pitch on doublespeakgames.com is that it is a non-linear narrative about the nature of obsession and family. What that all translates to is that it is a nonlinear novel that you read through and it periodically will give you choices that if you choose the other option, it will send the characters down a different path, which will then lead to more options, or it will give you multiple choices in a row and you have to like pick the correct choices out of each of those to progress the story. Yeah, and not only that, because, um, you know, that can sound like a, a, a typical, like, interactive fiction that we have, but you actually have to go back and change some things. Um, and you, more things will unlock that you have to go back and change, but it's not like you can just go through making all the right choices the first time. Each time, you still have to go back, and sometimes it's back to a choice you just made, and sometimes, suddenly, you go, like, what, decades back? Yeah, so there's, like, five chapters overall. Each of them are separated by 19 years, and it follows the same family, the Penrose family. Specifically, Catherine Penrose and her brother, Peter. Yeah, I, I think it's really neat, because suddenly, like, uh, some of the words will, like, be highlighted. Like, uh, one of the first ones is, like, something is locked, and you can click it to unlock it, and suddenly the scene plays out as if it's been unlocked the whole time. Um, so it's not like the character goes and unlocks it, it's just... This is the world if this door is unlocked. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not choices that the character makes. It's retroactive choices. So, like, one of the first puzzles is uh, Peter goes into this old abandoned building, and the police are there, and the alarm goes off, and Peter ends up arrested. So, the first choice is to not turn off the generator, but make it so that it's rusted and literally cannot function. So there's no power. And then, later on, Peter has to go down an elevator, but he can't because there's no power. If you turn back on the generator, the same thing as before happens. The alarm goes off and he is arrested. But if you make it so that the alarm system is no longer pristine, but also rusted, and then make it so that the generator isn't rusted, then no alarm goes off. The police are still there, but he never encounters them. Yeah, no, it's insane. And I, as someone who likes interactive fiction and choices and variables and stuff, I am obsessed with the game design and just how perfectly everything flows together. Yeah, no, it, it really, the game really makes good use of its non-linearity. Yes. I got stuck on a couple puzzles and I, I had to get some help. 
Yeah, well, there's one puzzle I asked you about. And then later on, there's one that I thought I had to look up something on the internet for. But no, everything, all the clues are like in the actual game. I just, uh, I was overthinking it. Yeah, there's like three solid moments where you will, you will get stuck on first playthrough. Even on the second playthrough, there was one time where I was like, okay, I know what I have to find. I don't remember where I have to find it. Yeah, it's tough because, like, you have to make, like, choices you know are bad in order to go down, like, all these different paths to get the answer, to get the good path. Especially that. Like, I know that I probably shouldn't be fucking up Peter's life like this, but it's the only way to keep moving forward. Oh my god, yeah, that killed me. And that's, that's really, that's really a big thing in this game, is, like, it, it, does sort of seem as though you're making the Penrose siblings' lives worse as as you go on. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like um, how you have to throw conflict into a story in order for there to be a story. It's like, if their lives are good, well, they're not going to do shit. Like, <laughs> they have things to lose, so they're not going to risk anything. And uh, yeah, no, they have to just fuck shit up. Like, obviously, their lives aren't good to begin with, but it does feel like they get worse before they get better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 very interesting. And um the whole story is is pretty abstract. Oh boy, is it. I'm putting it lightly. <laughs> Definitely takes a couple playthroughs to like because I feel like your first playthrough you're too busy looking for the clues and what to change to really absorb the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Also like because of the non-linearity does feel like it requires backstory that you aren't privy to Mm -hmm. yeah especially on like the first route like when peter is arrested by the police the whole reason that peter and catherine are there what they're doing what they're looking at why they are there at all to begin with it's all like backstory that is later filled in but by the time you understand what is filled in you've pretty much forgotten about the yeah, because that beginning doesn't exist anymore. Like, the world in which they do that isn't there. Yeah, exactly. It literally, they literally don't do that. It's literally like Butterfly Effect, the game. Yeah, exactly. Once you understand why they were doing that, they never have been doing that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And as it goes on, it just gets more and more abstract. But, like, I don't want to say it doesn't make any sense at all. You can still get, like, a vibe of what's going on. So... This this reference is really going to only make sense to anyone who's played Control, but it you really do get the vibe that Catherine and Peter are stuck between the war between the Hiss and Polaris. These two are drafted into a war that they've never been they they don't have any context for aside from I don't know, I guess this side makes me feel good, and this side is trying to kill me, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's it, it's really interesting, because your whole view on, like, who is the bad guy, and why, and what makes them bad, all change so much. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end, you're still not 100% sure whether this is a downer ending, or the way it was always meant to be. Oh, absolutely. And if it was always meant to be that way, that doesn't necessarily mean that's a good ending, like, in general. <laughs> like, exactly. Because, like, this is technically the way it was always meant to be. Both by lieu of, like, 
how the the resonance is uh operating on the universe and also literally game design but you're not quite sure whether or not this is good for humanity or the main characters or whether you've just fucked everyone yeah yeah it's really it's definitely left up to interpretation exactly what's going on which it's 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 very interesting it's definitely worth um i i think what does it cost like a dollar or something yeah it's 99 cents on the google play store it's definitely worth that buck if you don't want to pay it at first uh on the website there's like uh you can try out the demo yeah and also like once you actually get the app, there is a slider that, if you've already played the demo, the slider, like, already brings you to where the demo stops. Oh, nice. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. It's in the settings. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's not like you have to go through the beginning again. Though, honestly... Yeah, you should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You might want to. <laughs> you just, like, realize more and more stuff as you as you play through it again. So many more things click into place. It's It's such an interesting game and what i like about it is we mentioned that this is from the creator of a dark of a dark room this is nothing like a dark room at all maybe in writing maybe i don't know like i feel it plays with different concepts and like well yeah no i mean literally like in the way that things are described like literally the prose is similar yeah but there's not like a ton of prose in a dark room Eh, well i don't know i feel like literally everything in a dark room is prose oh i guess yeah that's yeah it makes sense when you say it like that a dark room which uh like i said is a completely different game it is an idle game kind of in the style of you think of a candy box where you start out and there's only one thing and you do with the one thing and then slowly more things start to unlock it, it it's like that pretty classic i believe it started out on the web and then got ported to google and uh iphone I didn't know that i think so I just know that, I don't know if that's how it still is, but for the longest time, Apple actually had, the, the iOS version had a different, more involved story really? than on a, a Google Play. Interesting, because I had only played it on the web, and I still haven't finished it in any of its forms. Because, you know, idle game, very long time. Oh yeah, I play idle games forever. But yeah, so I, I played it a couple times. Uh, I think I've only beat beaten it once. Um, but okay, what do you remember from the web version? I think I got to the point where this is very definitely post-apocalyptic. Like, obviously. There's deserted cities, there are insane soldiers, and I I kept dying to the insane soldiers, which is the adventure part. Once you can actually get out from your village, I think that's where the game started to lose me, you know? Yeah. That that's fair. I I am also much more interested in the idle side of it than the going out and exploring side of it. Yeah, exactly. Cuz like it's not even in Candy Box you can like at least see how long it's going to take like in a meter for uh a dark room it's just sort of like just counting. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it's still really fun yeah. and especially the um the iOS version, uh, unless, again, it's been updated on Google Play and, and the web. I, I haven't checked that. But uh, you also have another character uh, who's there with you towards the very beginning. Like, you start up your fire, because that's what it is. You, you're in a dark room. You start up a fire. A stranger comes in and collapses. And then you uh, keep stoking the fire. Yeah. And yeah, she's a builder. She can build things. And then she starts, like, being worried about the things you're doing. because. 
the way the game ends up going in the traditional way you play it is come to find out, come to find out you're enslaving all the people that you're bringing into oops uh oh the uh the village like this is this is pretty early on that that like twist happens so i don't feel like it's a big spoiler but yeah there are ways where you can get through it without enslaving people but it is a lot harder it takes so much longer yeah so it's it's interesting he plays with the different concepts and stuff in in that game he just i i like the unique perspective he brings to games even though like i said these are two entirely different games I've always loved idle games. I love browser idle games, especially. I would have them going all the time. And to have like a real actual plot with one was yes. crazy. I think that was the most interesting part of it. Because like... Yeah, an idle game you can beat is so rare. Yeah. I can only think of like two others off the top of my head. I don't know. Can you beat Candy Box? Uh, you can. Okay. I haven't... I never got that far in Candy Box. Yeah, Candy Box and Candy Box 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Far superior. Yeah, the uh, the other two I can think of are on the phone. Paperclip is also on the browser. I was thinking that too. Yeah, that got suggested on a Besties episode, which is how I ended up getting it. And I might put it on my browser because I just end up forgetting to look at my look at it on my. I'm in Endgame in Paperclips, and I I don't know. And that one's really interesting. And then uh, there's one I really like to have someone play and talk about on here. It's called uh, Alter Ego. Yes. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot about that. Oh, you know Alter Ego? Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's like, you're in this weird like mind sort of place. Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know we both knew this. So yeah, yeah. What do you remember of Alter Ego? I remember that quite a lot of it was personality tests. I remember that much. Oh, absolutely. That's what got me. (laughs) Yeah, same. For some reason, I adore categorization of myself, you know? Oh, same, same, same. That's, uh... Art player energy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, so the thing about uh, Alter Ego, I've been debating on going back and playing it because there's actually three different endings. Really? Yes, because there's, like, an ending... Because So what it is, is there's these two entities. There's this one, like, kind of godlike entity that's trying to get you to do one thing. I think it's more, like, it's, like, more logical, less emotional, I think is how it is. Um, and then there's, like, this girl in this library who is, like, more emotional and, like, is, is is trying to get you down a more emotional path. And the more you agree with her. I feel like that's the other way around. I might be misremembering, but I do feel like she was more... No, no, never mind. Yeah, because she starts out kind of... Yeah, she starts out cold and logical. And then, like, as she discovers emotion, she's like, hey, this is pretty neat. Yeah, and then she goes, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so, but you have to get both of those endings before you can then get a true ending. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, yeah, but it's neat, um, cause, cause yeah, it's an idle game and you're just collecting, like, I know there's phrases in books and stuff. Yeah, it's like blurbs of famous philosophical works and also, like, texts that raise interesting philosophical questions the game is very philosophical obviously oh super 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 which is where the personality tests come in and then you get kind of a an image of yourself and uh yeah exactly it's it's very very interesting if i remember correctly they they were also like pretty correct yeah (laughs) i was like okay ouch (laughs) firstly alter ego fuck you (laughs) which is what a good personality test makes you feel yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 very good. I really, really enjoy it. Oh, I'm so glad that you know about it, because I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, and it's nice because, like, it's really nice art. 
Yeah, it is. It's pretty. Yeah, it's a pretty game. It does have some optional ads, but you don't really need to do it. So, uh, and then again, it's an idle game that ends, which is always neat. Yeah. Three endings. I just, once I sided with the, the girl in the library, I have a hard time siding against her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It's very hard for me to go back and do the other ending so I can get the true ending. So another game we both started playing pretty recently, but haven't played a, a bunch is uh, Pun Ball. But I think we'll be more interested to talk about Archero, which is the the the, the game that was made before Pun Ball. That I think Pun Ball is kind of hoping to get the success off of. <laughs> yeah, well, because like Archero, Archero, it's Archer and Hero together. So yeah, Archero, Archero. I don't know Archero. Who knows? I'm gonna keep calling it Archero. It basically. I don't want to say pioneered because I don't know if there were other less famous uh, mobile roguelike games before it, but it spawned just this wave of mobile roguelike games that's just like move from room to room, get additional ability once you level up, move to next room, fight more enemies, play a weird little miniature bullet hell game get another ability once you level up. It's it's a very, very simple gameplay loop of just, like, traveling from level to level to level. And personally, I believe that Archero did it best. Well, it did it first, is the thing. So basically any, like, gameplay problems with it are, whether they're ironed out later, they didn't really have the chance to be ironed out at first, you know? So, like, being first affords it some leeway. But it's it's a very interesting gameplay style because the the titular Archero only fires arrows when they're standing still. And the levels, particularly the bosses, become pretty bullet helly. So each time you fire, it's a sort of sort of risk reward where the risk is getting hit by rogue projectile. And the reward is actually doing any sort of damage. Yeah, it's got a, a lot of neat abilities, though. So what it is, is you don't keep the abilities for each thing. You know, it's like a roguelike. You go in and you get a different selection of abilities. So the combinations you can make are all very interesting. And so there's like some that I'll gravitate gravitate to uh, more than others. But sometimes you just got to deal with the abilities you got. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just roll badly. So it's a lot of fun. You can unlock more heroes and, you know, upgrade your equipment and, and stuff like that, like your power level and stuff. And also no run is wasted because every single time you go through, you get more experience and coins leading to like potential other out of match abilities. Like, like the first one is usually you start out the runs with an extra ability and then like from there on it's like plus 10 percent health with like diminishing returns or like plus 10 percent damage but that is also an interesting thing because it has to each time you want to roll for another outside of run ability you have to like roll for it you just put in coins and it's like okay you get one of these yeah <laughs> You may have wanted the regenerate one. What you got was like 10% more coins on 
Like, okay, well, cool, thanks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, Can't always get what you want, but that's that's uh, why it gets addicting, because you gotta... Yeah, yeah. the RNG slash pseudo-gambling of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a lot of fun. I, I can say that I personally get very tempted by the chests and stuff, because you definitely can, can blow some money on this game. But it's not necessary. Like, you can still have fun, because, like, because the thing is, is, it's not like you're necessarily competing with other people. Like, there are some events, I think, where you can, but, like, it pretty much is just you playing the game. But, yeah, and then they have, uh, like I said, they just came out with Pun Ball, which gives the impression that it's a pinball game but it's actually like a brick break game yeah what was the the one that started this whole craze i think it came out back when i was in high school um balls with a z it's it's that kind of gameplay where it's uh you throw up the the balls and try to break the blocks before they come down smashing on your head yep pretty much so it's, I haven't played a ton of it. It's funny. My first run, I got way farther than my subsequent runs, even though I was like leveling up and shit. Yeah, same. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they're just easier on you your first run to get you into it. That that would make sense from like a design standpoint. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of similar in the fact that you get abilities as you go through the levels and there's bosses and stuff. There ends up being damage that you get. Yeah. So... I have one big grievance with Punball, which is why I stopped playing it. Basically, some of the enemies that are carted out, they fire projectiles at you, which you can't really avoid, so you just sort of have to kill them as quick as possible. And then that combined with the synergy of the shield enemies, which you can't attack from the front, starts to feel pretty unfair, honestly. I don't even think I got as far as the shield enemies. They're in, like, World 4. Oh, yeah, I didn't. I did not get that far. Also, another pretty bad thing is that you don't have as wide of an angle to fire as you would like. Like, if you're on one side of the uh, lane board, if you're on one side of it, you cannot shoot the other corner. Yeah, maybe it's just because I only just started, but, like, it seems to me like you can't choose where you are. It just kind of randomly places you somewhere. Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't randomly place. It places you where the first ball hits. Oh, that's so weird. Mm -hmm. But because you don't have as much control over the angle as you'd like, you can't really do the planning and be like, I want to land over here. You have to be like, okay, I guess I'll settle for this. Yeah, it definitely could be better. It could. Yeah, exactly. It could be done better. I just feel like there'd be more of an ability to do strategy if you got to pick your abilities as you went in um or had more of a choice between yeah. them because like i got the shield ability where it's like every three turns you get a shield and you just don't take any damage and like that could be very strategic but if you don't have that it's very difficult <laughs> then it's just sort of like good luck fucker take the take the l yeah like take the like five projectiles worth of damage god good luck for real because you got that and yeah because they fire every turn is the thing. Every turn, yeah. It's not like they have to charge up and then they shoot at you. It's every single turn. Every turn that these enemies are on the board, you take damage. Yeah, and while you're trying to kill them, the regular enemies just come down the board and kill you. Yeah, while you're trying to kill them and also deal with the shield fellas, more of them show up, and also these weird little melee attack fellas just come down and hit you. 
And then if you try to have too much strategy, there's the spider dudes who just jump around wherever they want. I forgot about them. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, in the game's defense, when you take out one of the projectile guys, they do drop health. But not enough. Not enough. Not enough health. Yeah, I think maybe it could use some work. And it is just pretty recently released. So so we'll see how it goes. It definitely needs some help. Yeah, because I mean, I like the aesthetic. That's, that's one reason why I grabbed it. I like the aesthetic. I like a lot of the powers because uh, a lot of those are the same from uh, Archero. But yeah, as far as like feeling like it's a fair game that you're not just getting kind of lucky with. Exactly. Is, uh, feeling like you're not getting screwed by the RNG. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit harder. Oh, you had a, another game you wanted to talk about, right? I haven't played this one. Disney Heroes Battle Mode? Yes, Disney Heroes Battle Mode. From what it sounds like, it's like Disney Fire Emblem Heroes. I can't say whether or not that's the case. I haven't played Fire Emblem Heroes. It's more like a real-time Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. Do you know what? Nope. <laughs> okay, well, cool. We're operating on different levelings here. <laughs> awesome. So what Disney Heroes Battle Mode is, it's a... Oh, okay. Maybe Cookie Run Kingdom. Do you know the battle system for that? I'm I'm aware it exists. I never got into Cookie okay. Run, so I just didn't get into. I might get into Cookie Run Kingdom. My friend is really into Cookie Run. They're just they're not into Cookie Run Kingdom, but Cookie Run Oven Break. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm gonna take a slight tangent to talk about Cookie Run. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I got really into. You remember when the Minions game came out? That was like that. Like the the runner, like the yeah, there was a minions runner. Oh, okay, that was like like subway surfers, but minions. Yeah, it was really popular. I got into that because isn't that what Cookie Run is? It's a. It's not. It's a. It is a runner, but it's a across the screen rather than like. Oh, instead of forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just have I, maybe that's what messed me up is that I got used to doing like the the forward ones because there's a a minions one, a Mario one, and and, and some other ones like that. About yeah i only played it for a hot second for some reason i hate minions i play the minions one a lot <laughs> but yeah i'll have to get into cookie run kingdom because if it's more like disney heroes battle mode and what sounds like from what you told me before fire emblem heroes or maybe like dragon age heroes i think if it has heroes in the name it has to be the same type of game <laughs> <laughs> that's fair it's it's like a auto battler i guess is the term i'm looking for it's an auto-battler where every character has their own abilities that, like, build up over either damage or time. I don't remember which. But, like, it gives you these... Okay, so, like, the plot of it is that Vanellope and Ralph, on one of their travels through the internet, come across this... I guess it has to be a browser game called Disney Heroes Battle Mode. And Vanellope's like, holy shit, Ralph! <laughs> <laughs> and... And they uh, travel into it, and they get these redesigns that are pretty interesting. Ralph, Ralph's hair like stands up on end, and his sleeves tear off. And Vanellope gets like this soda blaster with accompanying candy goggles. It's actually pretty cool to look at. But you start out with playing as Ralph, and then Vanellope and Ralph get in. I think Vanellope is either kidnapped or just separated or something. I might be misremembering. Anyway, there seems to be some sort of virus or whatever, some security threat that has taken over Disney Heroes Battle Mode, and the whole game is borked. But it, it's, a, it's a bunch of Disney characters, I believe. The first ones are like Elastigirl. In a weird twist of fate, one of the first characters you get is fucking Yaks from Zootopia. What? Yeah, right? 
the weird hippie yak with the apparently incredible memory that he doesn't know. Yeah, he's one of the first characters you get. Who remembers him? Right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Elastigirl and Frozone and Yaks. And <laughs> they, uh, basically you work with this party of five and also whichever character, the gotcha gods Dain that you may have. And you work with them to, like, try and liberate this entire fucking city from the virus. And the entire time, the enemies that you're fighting are either copies of the characters, corrupted versions of the characters, or corrupted copies of the characters. Because there's, like, a, a surprising amount of angsting from Elastigirl, or from Mrs. Incredible, that she's, like, having to fight her husband and her children. And also they, like, are clearly fighting from the inside. Anyway, one of the mechanics later on, like, pretty later on, like, you're probably not going to encounter this in the first, like, hour of gameplay, is something known as a friendship mission, where if two of your party members are high enough level, they get, like, their own campaign, where they, like, fight alongside each other and also have this weird character building. But it's between characters that, like, you wouldn't expect. It's, it's like, almost always between characters you wouldn't expect. It's very rarely between characters from the same property. Wait, so there's, like, dialogue and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Between the two characters. Oh, that's neat. There's, like, in-character dialogue between them. Also, the game has, like, PvP stuff if you want. But yeah, it's a really interesting plot-based gotcha RPG auto-battler with, like, Disney characters. Yeah, um, yeah, some of that does remind me of uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, I, I, which I am putting off for now because I did so much. They had a dude who was both a wolf and a dragon at the same time for Halloween, and I got him, and what else do I need from a game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's been like a, a couple of years since I've played Disney Heroes Battle Mode. Yeah. So like, it has to have changed and gotten even more characters and better things because like updates were coming out really frequently when i was playing it assuming they kept up that same pace there's got to be so much stuff yeah i'll have to i'll have to look into that i'll see like the siren call of like if there's jack skellington in the game oh there is i mean there has to be it has to be the goth disney fans i had like two accounts i think i deleted the first one and then i got another one but on one of them i had jack as a character that's fantastic yeah so um that's what will get me to play is there's jack skellington oh yeah so yeah i'll i'll have to check it out that's gonna be another game that i'm gonna have to pay attention to around halloween season and forget about it every other time mm -hmm. yeah honestly disney heroes battle mode i think got me fired from a job oh my god not playing it jesus yeah right agreed that's so i that that's why i stopped because so <laughs> i was like okay this is too much <laughs> uh yeah for me like with fire emblem heroes i was paying too much to it i was i was dropping too much money i i got real sucked into it uh and i'm like gotcha. yeah uh and i was like doing they had like a pay ten dollars a month to get like these special bonuses stuff and I, oh, I'm like, I can't still be paying this, but also I can't go back to the game without those bonuses because I've gotten so spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I think Disney Heroes Battle Mode has the same thing, the like season pass. It's also one of those, 
I'm not sure if this is common in gacha games. It, it probably is, but it, like, gives out shards of characters. So, like, you'll have, like, a, this is a 25 shard chest. Uh, that's enough for a character. And then you'll get, like, 15 shards for one character and, like, 10 shards for another. And they're like, okay, well, cool. Oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, no, thankfully in Heroes of Dragon Age and Fire Emblem Heroes, you just get a full character. Is it a character you want? Is it a good level? Eh. Probably not. But, but like, yeah, it's not just the shot. Oh, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, question. Is it landscape or portrait? It's it's landscape, unfortunately. Ah, uh, dang. Probably not going to play it then. Yeah. That's Heroes of Dragon Age. I Like, I fucking love Dragon Age, but I can't get back into Heroes of Dragon Age because it's landscape. <laughs> if the game doesn't have a virtual joystick, it feels weird to play landscape. And just like, I, I just do a lot of things where I check in on stuff one-handed while I'm doing other stuff. And landscape feels like I'm trying to put too much attention to it. I could do landscape for um, Breach Wanderers because it was a card game and it wasn't too like, because, you know, it's a deck builder roguelike. And so it, it didn't take as much like, I guess, concentration or something. I mean, it, whatever. But with Heroes of Dragon Age, it's just, it takes too much of my focus and everything's so tiny and terrible. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to get some landscape games because Cam has recommended some games that are landscape and I'll just have to suck it up. I mean, I don't know your feelings on like Call of Duty, but COD Mobile is actually really good. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. My, my thing with Call of Duty is I am just bad at shooters. That's fair. And COD Mobile is basically entirely multiplayer. So like that. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bad at shooters and I don't like people. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. Yeah, that'd be my dad's thing, but he'd probably say the phone screen's too small. If I feel like trying that out, I, I might go for it. I, I'm just really bad with multiplayer. It's like the second I know someone is watching me, especially if I don't know them, I just get so much worse. Uh, yeah, I think that's just how psychology works. Yeah, probably. But yeah, no, those are, those are some good stuff. I, I almost recommended Kingdom Hearts Union Cross. Nope, don't. It's gone! Well, yeah, okay. So, like, obviously Union Cross itself. Dark Road is on its way to final. Union Cross is now entirely cutscenes. But, like, that is not the, the first game that you should play in the Kingdom Hearts series. Oh, I mean, I played the other games. I was playing Union Cross. I played Union Cross when it first came out for a solid, like, three months every day. Same. And then I just, like, bounced off of it. And when I bounced back in, so much had changed. I'm like, what the fuck's happening here? Same. That was my problem with Fire Emblem Heroes. It took me a while to get back in because I bounced off and they just added so many more mechanics. It's tough to to balance as a like game creator for something that's going to keep like living like that. It's like you need to add more mechanics to keep people interested, but you don't want to add so many more mechanics that it's confusing to people who like go away for a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not even to mention the the people who are just joining the game. Yes, that could definitely be hard. Yeah. That about does it for this episode. Was there any other game you wanted to shout out real quick? I think Beatstar was one of them. Yeah, you you said you kind of bounced off that one pretty quick because it had uh, the energy limit, right? Yeah, I wouldn't say really quick because I, I would so love to play this game as much as possible. But I can't. I literally can't. The way that the game works is it has kind of the worst energy system that I've ever seen. It's not like one solid meter that like goes down and you have to wait five minutes for one energy no the way that it works is every single time that you 
play one of the games, which I have to say, they're all very solid. They're very well charted. The aesthetic is really good. For for uh, context, this is a rhythm game. Yes, sorry. That's fine. I, I didn't say anything either. But yes, it's a, it's a rhythm game. It's a very polished rhythm game, which frustrates me so much. So every single time that you play one of the very well-made games, or one of the very well-made songs, it gives you, what is it, slight beat coins or whatever, and each one of those points goes into one of three slots below. So like if you, it, it's like, like 450 points to fill up a slot. Once one of the slots is filled, the spillover points go to the next slot, and that slot causes a timer, which, as you progress in the game, gets longer and longer and longer, until you get to, like, three-hour and five-hour things. Once that timer is up, it releases shards of a song, which also, the more songs you get, the more shards are needed to, like, actually get another song. So, like, you have to play the same songs over and over and over repeatedly to desperately scrape out some fun from this. Wild, like, some weird-ass Rube Goldberg machine mechanics. Exactly! It's like, you have to play the same songs over and over to try and, like, get as many stars as possible. And then it also has another, like, checklist of if you have this many stars, you get a reward of more shards of songs. And so you have to, like, try and play to get the most stars possible on each of the songs. But you can't do that because you're running out of space on the three slots. And even if you fail a song, you still get the points from it, which in most games would be really good. Hurrah, my time's not wasted. But I don't want these points. I don't want more timers to sit through, because you can't actually start the next timer until the first timer is done. I think that's the thing that really kills me. In, in a lot of other games, like, sure, you have, like, three different extremely long timers, but they can, like, be going at the same time. So, like, sure, it's five hours for the longest one, but, like, three hours for the second longest one, so that's just a difference of, like, two hours between timers. For this, to, like, clear out all of them, you need, like, 15 hours. Dang, that's, uh... It's so infuriating, because the game is so well made. You can tell that they clearly put a lot of time and effort into it. The sound effects, fantastic. The aesthetic, sublime. Like, <laughs> is there no way to buy out of it? Like, there is. There's a way to buy out of how, it. How much? There is gems. There are gems. Oh, systems. there's gems. There's not just like a a buy and get rid of it. No, it's specifically gems, Dang. which come very few and far between. I have this thing against like against like actually buying stuff in games regardless of whether or not i like mm -hmm. the game which i swear beatstar i want to like you i really do yeah i'll usually go for like if there's like a ad free version of the game for like five bucks or whatever i'll usually go for that but uh no and that's the thing i'm perfectly fine with ads i would be perfectly willing and happy to like lower the timer by like hell even 30 minutes by just watching an ad but i can't do that Oh, man. It's just gems. That's wild. It's only gems. Damn it, Beatstar. <laughs> <laughs> Give me ads, I say weirdly. Give me your ads. <laughs>
just let me support you, please. Yeah, that sucks. That it's such a good game with such a so hard to actually play it. It's it's so frustrating. Yeah. Um. I only I only played it for uh, a hot second. I just played one song, um, and then I got distracted by something else. It was very funny though, because when you start the game, you put in your uh, what is it, your decade you were born? Oh yeah. And your gender, mm-hmm. and so it was like, oh, '90s non-binary, Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. I'll have to like open it later and see what my first one was, but I I think mine was also like really funny mm-hmm. and quote unquote on brand. Yeah, it's just. It's just so funny that you could, like, instead of having you pick from, like, a, a huge selection, you get, like, here you go, we assigned you Blink. We we can assign you Blink 182. Which is fair. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I might look into it again, but yeah, that uh energy system is wild. Like, not to pat myself on the back, but I played a lot of games with a lot of different energy systems. Yeah, I think uh, I think when we bring, I think Cam played more, was it? So whenever whenever I get Cam on, which I think Cam is going to be next because I really want to talk about uh, Farmyard PG. <laughs> yeah, you two keep talking. About yeah, I know it. we keep like we have a private chat too, so I'm trying not to like <laughs> blow up the whole. If there's like a, a game changing thing, I'll like mention in there, but like we tr- we try to keep like most of the Farmyard PG talk to our own DMs. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's primarily been what I'm playing, and I mentioned on the last episode. But I I want to actually like have a have a good talk about it with with Cam next yeah, time. Of course. So yeah, so that's what we'll probably talk about that, and then maybe some Beat Star, or maybe they'll finally get me to play Long Home, which I think is the game they want me to play. Long story. Long story. Yeah, it's a it's a queer game. So I'll play that, and I'll get you guys to play some other games that I've played, because I've played a billion in three games. But yeah, so that's that's very exciting. What's also very exciting is, depending on when this episode goes up, it might be the day after my birthday. I haven't decided if I want to do, as of recording, I haven't decided to do if I want to do something special for my birthday episode or not. So this could be the day after my birthday, in which case, hmm. happy birthday to me. If not, still, happy birthday to me. You know? Happy birthday to thee. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a lot of fun. I'm excited to play more games and get you back on again. Yeah. And yeah, and this time I'm actually going to remember in the recording to thank my patrons. So uh, yeah, thank you. Danny the Spoon Lord, my Muse level patron who um, gets a shout out. And if you want to become a patron, it is patreon.com slash jacksyaks, I think is how it is, or it's jacksyaks.patreon.com. Whatever way, you can find all my links at fakegamerbro.card, C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. That'll have all my links to my Twitter, to everything else. By the time this is out, I'll have whatever links my co-hosts want to have on there as well. Um, I've got a Twitter. I've got a Facebook. I've got an Instagram. I've got a TikTok. I've got a bunch of stuff. So check all that out. Follow me on Twitter because even when I'm not posting episodes, I'm posting stuff about mobile games I play. (laughs) So yeah. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you to Dami for editing the show and for our theme song, which you can find at Domino Thief on SoundCloud and in the show's notes. Also, thank you to our fakest fan tier member, Danny the Spoon Lord, for your support. If you'd like to get a shout out or just support the podcast, head on over to ko-fi.com slash jacksyaks, link also found in the show notes, and sign up for as little as $1 a month. 
For all other links, head over to jacksyax.com where you can always find the latest information. Thanks for listening!